0: Demand Matrix helps you complete your data stack with technographic, intent, and revenue potential data to help you accelerate revenue. Thanks for listening.
1: Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Sunny Side Up. I'm your host, Asher Matthew, and I'm super excited today to talk to Aaron Ballou for, uh, about implementing Agile Framework into marketing. Aaron, Thanks, welcome. Asher. And I don't know if I said your last name the wrong way, but Ballou. is it Blue or Ballou? It. Great, 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 great. All right, that's my win for the day. So, Eric, welcome aboard and uh, share with us a little yeah, bit about I'm yourself.
0: Yeah, I'm the VP of Demand Gen at Ping Identity. We're a identity security software company. I um, started out in telecom for most of my career. I've led marketing functions from product marketing to event management to digital marketing. Um, and I actually started out as an engineer. Uh, not, in a mar- not in a marketing role at all. And I made a career change uh, some years ago. Terrific. So you made
1: the classic pivot. So tell us about that change from an engineer sure. to a Is marketing. it a classic pivot? I- <laughs> <laughs> well, it is said that 70% of people, when they leave college, they don't use their degrees that they went okay. to college. So I just thought it was a very interesting stat. And then I myself, am um, a stat of from there because i pivoted from being a computer scientist oh, okay. to being a business person so i'd love to unpack how sure. you went from being yeah. an engineer so to had,
0: well i'd been a uh, like i said in telecom and i uh, was working as a sales support engineer so at the time where this is like early 2000s um things weren't very plug and play in the networking world it took a lot of hands on like engineering design to connect a customer's business network to our Service provider network and have everything actually communicate. So that was me. I was the engineer that the account teams would pull in to work out those details. And I really enjoyed that profession. You know, I didn't have the same like direct quota burden that a salesperson would have. But being connected to the sales ecosystem exposed me to all these companies. Uh, you know, their practices for better or or for worse. And it's kind of like the window behind the scenes that consultants get you know you get to see all the secrets and you see all these different business problems and how professionals have attempted to translate them into um, technical solutions and you learn Um, so i actually highly recommend taking a tour through a customer facing role at some point in you know anyone's career Um, as a marketer it helps you or helped me appreciate how things land so that the craft isn't just academic right? So it's like, like it's a very vulnerable feeling to deliver a quote, I got air quotes right now, value proposition to a human being on the other side of the table and hear their response right in that moment. You've got to experience that and you never forget it. So, so I really, that's what I was doing during the day. And while this was all happening, I was putting myself through graduate school as an electrical engineer. I was going quite deep into the science of communications both at the network level and even at the signal level so it was a lot of like signal processing and my colleagues at work picked up on that and started putting me into more and more speaking slots with their customers right so like sales meetings um, RFP presentations conference talks and you know that that sort of thing um, because we had a technical audience and they seemed to enjoy going one level deeper than what they'd normally learn from technical training so um, so, how did I get into marketing? Well, I was, you know, I had become the engineer who liked to talk to customers and whose sales like to put in front of their customers. And along came a role in technical marketing. And some companies call it solutions marketing or product marketing. At that time, at my company, it was part of segment marketing. And the leader of that team, who is now a CMO elsewhere, um, he wanted to sharpen up things like the messaging and value prop from a technical perspective. And he wanted to build product bundles that um, would encourage more cross-selling. So he thought an engineer might have those skills, so long as that engineer could actually talk to people, could communicate. And you know, there's a stereotype out there about engineers that they're not comfortable in front of in front of people. Um, so turns out I had some recent practice doing just that, right? I was the engineer who talked to people. So he gave me a shot, and things went pretty well. He was promoted pretty soon after that to a different to a VP role in the marketing department. I actually took over his segment marketing team and uh, that started my marketing career. But he, he, do- he totally took a chance on me though, cause I was not a born and raised marketer. Um, I'll, I'll tell you a story on my first week on the job in the marketing department, I got in trouble, right? Someone complained to him that I had called their work marketing fluff. Um, it was a very careless thing for me to have said. And I didn't realize how disparaging that was because outside of the marketing department, we threw that around like it was just understood. So I'm much more sensitive and appreciative now of, you know, the thoughtfulness that goes into great marketing.
1: So I can empathize with you at so many levels because in my own career, I was a computer scientist. Basically, I went for software engineering. And then from there, I realized that there was an opportunity to explain the how e-commerce actually worked, which was my first company that I was a part of. And that's what led me to go into sales. And here I am today. So uh i as you were telling me this story you know some of the same mistakes or like let's call it parties that you've made i made the same mistakes as well in basically telling other salespeople that they had no idea what they were talking about which was true by the way from my perspective but from their perspective they were like okay insert your expe- favorite explicit word person you know we've had like significant years on building relationships which is true i do not have any of those stuff so uh super duper uh, duper fascinating um as we unpack that a little bit more you know like like in the pre-interview you shared with us that you brought agile which is really a software development technique into your marketing
0: department speak to
1: us a little bit about that Oh yeah
0: um well borrowing you know more mature techniques or innovative techniques from other disciplines can like can unlock progress to put it you know one way um, I didn't do it by myself either. My I had a counterpart at the time in digital marketing who had gotten exposed to the idea of agile marketing at a serious decision summit, and she actually brought it up. And I had some experience with the agile concept just from my electrical engineering, computer science, you know, career. And between her, me and our VP of marketing, we we really rallied around the idea. Um, we were in a situation where the business requirements kept changing at our, at our company, Right. Um, partly because of external factors like the market changing, um, but also internal factors like new product launches and new partnerships that were popping up. And the problem that we had was, well, we had in capital letters, and I'll put air quotes up again, we had a plan, right? The plan. And there was a lot of thought and energy put into creating this masterpiece marketing plan that was going to go you know, build up to this big launch and be amazing. But by the time we were ready to launch, the world had changed enough that our plan was way off the mark. Or if not way off the mark, it was off the mark enough that it wasn't good enough anymore. Um, And we had this big marketing department, and changing the plan was met with a lot of inertia. Some was process inertia. So it's like, okay, we have to justify this and fill out a form and get this reapproved, that kind of process stuff. But much more than that was emotional inertia. Um, We had marketers whose feelings were hurt. You know, they put a lot of work into their part of the plan, and it felt like that was being thrown away. And now they were imposed upon by this rework. So, Agile helped us change our mindset. Um, That's really what it did. Instead of being oriented around the plan, uh, we would orient about, like, around the impact of the marketing. So, instead of change being an imposition, we'd expect change and we'd crave change. And instead of the big red carpet launch and the big reveal, we just get into the market small and fast, um, learn, update, and get back into market. That's why we did it,
1: and 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 that's phenomenal. But as having worked with other marketers, you know, and especially let's call it the classic creative marketers, right? Like I'm sure. Your idea was met with a bunch of angst and like, like people are like, "Wow, my cheese is being moved!" Like, yeah. like how did you get them over the hill? Like, like that that's that's it's almost like it's some level at some level it's transformation, right? Like, like, like and and the the mechanics of transformation are actually a lot more important, uh, interesting than just yeah. the strategy of transformation.
0: Yeah, that's a good question. Um, and it wasn't necessarily creative marketers that were pushing back any more than anyone else. Um, it was just broad skepticism that we were too special to be agile. Right. There, there was a lot of pushback on trying to do things agile. I mean, first is the, just the really common saying of just changing anything, like you said, moving my cheese, changing anything, you know, comes with a sort of burden of proof, but especially going to agile. um, It had a lot of fanfare around that time. You know, some people thought it had kind of a cultish vibe because people would go off to get certified and come back with this whole new language language they were speaking. And they were even annoying sometimes. So there was a lot of skepticism that we were just, you know, too special to be agile. We were marketing and not software, and that's not the same. Um, or we were too big. We're too matrixed. It'll never work. Stakeholders expect a plan, you know. And it was coming from the the project management people, not just like creative marketers. And for one thing, being agile doesn't mean you don't have a plan. By the way, it's still, you know, you still plan. You just have a healthier view of the plan's role. Um, but what we realized was we needed champions within the department like people on the front lines who wanted to work this way. It couldn't just be a mandate, right? You can't just shove it down their throats. Um, It's too big a change to succeed that way. So we identified several of our well-respected practitioners on the front lines and invested in sending them to Scrum Masterclass to get their CSM certification. And uh, to keep myself honest, I also went and did the same thing, right? I got my CSM and CSPO um, so I could speak the same language. And that's kind of how we broke through was, was creating the groundswell. Um, the people no longer saw it like as an outside in imposition of a new process. It was something more organic than that. It was the practitioners wanting to implement their new skills.
1: Super interesting. And and how much time did you, do you think it took for that entire, let's call it quote unquote transformation oh it, to take place? It
0: took at least six months, but we also had a pretty complicated go to market right. ecosystem. So, you know, we were standing up, um, you know, development teams for these different initiatives, small development teams. Um, and not all of those were on the exact same calendar. So I'd, I'd say six months was was about right. So you make this change, you get the framework in,
1: people start to to adopt it, they look at this new way, they go through this denial phase, then they go through this acceptance phase, then they're like, it's the new reality. It's, a, it's almost yeah. like us dealing with COVID here. You know? And so, so, so then you start, finally start to mm-hmm. to perform, right? And then, and then you touched a little bit about marketing performance. So I would love to hear, like, okay, after this new normal was set up for them, how do you think about marketing performance, and how did you think about marketing performance then, and how do you think about marketing performance now?
0: Well, yeah, it's a, it, it is, it is a big change from what people are used to. So we we use a lot of familiar statistics for one. Thing. So for it's not all a, a change. Like you're not going to make everybody angry, <laughs> and and suddenly have to create a new language of marketing. It's not like it's that bad. Um, we use a lot of familiar statistics and frameworks that won't surprise anybody. So, for example, we manage a demand waterfall very closely. I'm in there daily. We look at you know, pipeline, bookings, um, conversion rates, all the top of funnel and pre-funnel engagement stuff, impressions and visitors, so on and so forth. Um, and those are all managed on different timescales. Some are weekly optimization, some are quarterly. But uh, the way we manage our performance like philosophically kind of parallels the agile uh, model, not Scrum per se. Like you don't have to do all the rituals. Scrum is just the most common, like detailed framework. Um, it's more about the philosophy. So we have QBRs, for example, like a lot of marketing departments do, or businesses do. Uh, quarterly business reviews. And these are obviously for the the longer time scale things. And we do it for each I- initiative. And in my experience, this is just me speaking, but I, I suspect it will resonate with some people, a lot of marketing presentations are about proving that a program worked as though you're trying to convince the rest of the business that marketing brings value at all. And I think if you're in that kind of situation, like if you're still in that discussion, then you've got a more fundamental issue to work out at the general management level. Like there's, there's some suspicion of marketing as a, as, a, as a practice, as a craft that you need to overcome. But setting that part aside, I, I'm fortunate that I don't have that, that issue right now, but partly it's because of the way we run things. Our QBRs are structured in a loop, right? They're in a loop of hypothesis, experiment, evidence, and decision. So that's our fundamental structure. So, you know, a practitioner is reporting on their initiative. Last time we met, they had a hypothesis that something would bring value for some reason. They tried it. They learned something. And now that something's been learned, what decision will you make, right? And by what evidence? And next quarter, we're going to have this exact same discussion, <laughs> right? It's this ongoing loop of hypothesis, evidence, and decision over and over and over again. And this is a way of encouraging responsible experimentation and adaptation. And there's no fear about changing one's mind, right? Like the kind of the point is that that's a success, right? To have evidence by which one can change their mind is a success in in and of itself. Does that make sense?
1: It totally does.
0: It also sounds to me that there's a lot of slight
1: presentation <laughs> that you go through, but that's maybe a different topic for a different <laughs> podcast. <laughs> well, well, this this was great. Thank you so much. I, you know, I, I really dig how you went yeah. f- by sharing your journey, how you talk about like how do you bring Agile to the, to the marketing department, the marketing team, how do you work on transformation little by little. And then the last piece, which you gave as a framework of how somebody who's an individual contributor today could take that approach and apply it to their daily lives and maybe be the catalyst for change in their team. So that was of awesome. Course. Thank you for sharing that. So as we come to the end of this podcast, I would love to know about two people that you know who share the same passion for marketing as, as you do, or maybe two people that made a profound impact on on getting you to this point uh, that we should bring on to the show as a guest. So who would those two people be? Yeah,
0: sure. Well, um, well one, I, I heard you... M- mentioned her name briefly a moment ago, um, Corey Livingston. She was my counterpart back in the day when we first implemented Agile. She was my counterpart in digital marketing at the time. And um, uh, she's a very innovative thinker. She's willing to explore, um, you know, the state of the art in marketing practice. And I've always found her to be a great source of inspiration for for trying new things, different things um, that will take you ahead of the of the herd. Um, another person would be my current CMO, Kevin Sellers. He's kind of like my mirror image. Um, I'm a very mathy guy. I'm always the guy that says, "Can we go back one slide?" and uh, and he's got that more creative, kind of visionary, you know, orientation. So, you know, I need people like that around me to drive me forward, to to give me awesome problems for my kind of methods and techniques to work on. And I think he needs people like me to help translate the vision into operational reality. So those are a couple ideas for you.
1: That's awesome.
0: Yeah, we'll definitely hit them up and
1: give them a shout out when we when we uh, bring this podcast uh, to the world. Um, all right. So la- second last thing, if we were to condense this entire podcast into a hashtag, what could that hashtag be?
0: Can we go back one slide? it has to be like you know engineers should if you don't mind me you know riffing a little bit like engineers should consider marketing sure. okay like more people outside of a marketing background need to jump in and i'll tell you why why i think so if you've got a background in math not just engineers by the way like we were saying engineer but it's really just people with backgrounds in math and statistics software development all those kind of logical things you know your way of looking th- at things are needed in marketing and not just product marketing. Like you are the person that sees something on the screen that doesn't quite click in your mind. It's not, there's something that's not quite coherent there. And you say, can we go back one slide, <laughs> right? And you got to explore that thing. Every, everyone recognizes that marketing is a data rich field. You know, it's incredible. Like the telemetry we capture about people, the clicks and how long they spent reading a piece of content and all that, where their mouse hovered on the screen, Every department in every company wants to do something called data-driven decision-making. But there is a huge chasm to cross between having data and making decisions, right? It's never as simple as saying, hey, let's have a look at the data and see what it tells us. You're right. Have you ever heard that, Asher? Like when somebody, (laughs) yeah, no, never heard that one. Never heard that one, right? Never happened. Without even having already formulated the question, Right. That is a very strong recipe for accidentally misusing the data to unconsciously see what you want to see and just reinforce gut feelings you already had or even worse, we're hoping for. And much like on the creative side of marketing, like there's a huge chasm to go from, hey, we should talk about such and such to having an actual message map that's professionally done and translating that into copy that goes into marketing. So it takes that goes into market. I'm sorry. So it takes method. It takes practice. You know, to make data-driven decisions, how you structure the business question and how you capture the data all play into exactly what decision you can make based on what insight and no more than that, right? And no more than that. The the crazy part is like, if you don't do it right, you can still inadvertently make the right decision, (laughs) but you did it the wrong way. You'll get lucky and things may go well by chance. And then you conclude that you cracked the code. And you predict that things will go that way the next time. But next time turns out to be very uncomfortable for you. And this is all perfectly natural, right? It's perfectly normal human behaviors, even when you're experienced working with data. But these pitfalls, like the biases, they still pull at all of us. You know, My team and I wrestle with it every day. So that's why I think my being an engineer in marketing is going to get less and less rare. Um, I think in a few years, it'll be really common to see those in the job postings. And all that said, it doesn't mean that presence of engineers turns marketing into this cold robotic discipline right i mean we still all really enjoy watching the creative process emerge the inspiration the aesthetic you know the eloquence the emotion it's definitely an art and a science and i I like it that way so that's that's my spiel on that
1: that's awesome we are gonna make this hashtag pretty popular can we go back one slide glad you like it That's awesome. All right. Well, again, thank you so much. This has been phenomenal. I mean, I've learned a lot. Like, we invited you for one podcast; we got two. This is extremely valuable, I would say. And uh, and if people wanted to get in touch with you, you you sound like a pretty uh, amazing person to like get to know, get to toss ideas around. Right? I'm sure people will want to want to connect with you. I'm on LinkedIn. That's the best way
0: because if I ever change jobs and change my email address, I'll still have the same LinkedIn profile. I, I would love to. I love to meet people. So. I'm the engineer who likes to talk to people, remember? So (laughs) I invite that. There we go.
1: Terrific. Well, again,
0: thank you so much for coming on this
1: show. Uh, This is going to be a great episode, I can already tell. And uh, and, and best of luck. Yeah, thank you,
0: Asher. It was a pleasure. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Sunny Side Up. If you like what you heard, please subscribe, rate, and review us and share these insights with your peers.